0: Welcome officially to episode five of Clock Convos. The topic for today's episode is ways that you can get the most out of the mistakes you make.
1: We're your hosts, Sheila and Maya Dunn, and today we're joined by our second ever guest, Ryan Zeiser.
0: Yes, we're super excited to have Ryan here. He is a Temple graduate and entrepreneur. He's currently living in Puerto Rico and that's how we met. So kind of an interesting backstory to learning about the ventures he's taken on, the project he's working on now, and just over time, you know, hearing more about the mistakes he's made and how they've really turned his projects into what they are today. So yeah, welcome Ryan to Clock Combos, really excited to have you here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me guys, I've been waiting for the invite, I don't know if I'm honored or. Uh offended that i was invited for the mistakes podcast but glad to be here either <laughs> way so
0: no hard feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: awesome all right grab a drink and enjoy hey guys this is sheila and maya dunn and you're listening to claw combos <laughs> So yeah, Ryan, I think it would be useful to give anyone listening just a background on your business ventures, kind of A to B, where you started and where you are. If you don't mind sharing, just a brief rundown or timeline of your, you know, story.
2: Yeah. So briefly, um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was about 16. Um, I went to Temple University for business. Um, started my sneaker resale business at the age of 16 like i mentioned did that throughout college um, my sophomore year of college i kind of graduated from doing it on the side through social media platforms into actually having a legitimate business in malls up and down the eastern seaboard um, by the end of college we had transitioned fully to online and when i graduated college wasn't really sure what i wanted to do it was actually about a week or so away from taking a job in commercial real estate, realized that couldn't work for somebody else, wanted to continue being an entrepreneur and packed it up and moved to Puerto Rico. I've uh, been here ever since doing renewable energy consulting and some e-commerce side ventures. So kind of where I'm at today. And I guess we can collaborate on that more. But
0: yeah, no, that's great. I think an interesting add on to that is you know, being 16 and deciding to start a company, and especially in shoes, it's kind of unique, I feel like. So did you have a moment in high school or college or maybe with your family that you said to yourself, I know I can't work for someone else. I want to be an entrepreneur.
2: Um, yes, no. I guess I had that moment a little bit later on, but the reason I started selling shoes was I had been working since 14 at a ski equipment shop, making like 7 50 an hour or something like that, trying to save it for my first car. Um, and then one of my buddies invited me to a convention where you can like buy and sell shoes. And I think I made like $80 on the day. Uh, and I had a blast doing it. And I made more in that day than I did in like, you know, a couple of days of work at the ski shop. So stuck with it and kind of just took off. And when I, Graduated college, you know, my parents definitely wanted me to get a job, but I had kind of experienced a lot of success from my age and gotten so used to working for myself that I figured, well, why not go for it? If, you know, entrepreneurialism doesn't work out for me, I can always fall back on that experience and get a job. Felt pretty confident about that, but why just rush into some safety net when I can kind of go for it and fall back on the experience? So,
1: yeah, and once you have a taste of it, Yeah, it is hard to go back or not really necessarily back but transition to a a more corporate job yeah yeah
2: definitely i had a moment uh, my senior year of high school where the this pair of yeezys which i'm sure a lot of people know what they are by now uh released randomly and i I was fortunate enough to get a pair and sell them for about five thousand dollars more than i paid so that was really kind of my moment where i was like all right you know there's definitely smarter ways to make money than working for someone hourly and that kind of solidified my entrepreneurial path at least for the next few years.
1: Sorry, right, that's interesting you mentioned too like having a fallback as that's also what we talked about the very first episode is starting when you're younger, you have your whole life to explore other opportunities. Um so switching gears, so what was yeah, what was it like once you sold that pair of yeezys you made five thousand dollars how did it progress into you know selling in the malls and things like that
2: yeah so well when i sold that pair of shoes i was kind of a celebrity in my high school for like a week there (laughs) um so i definitely like that but it definitely gave me some seed money to expand out further so then from there i would look to buy like sort of one pair at a time three to five at a time and by the time I got in college, I'd saved up a decent amount of money for some of my agents. Um, my, I want to say my summer after my sophomore year, uh, I was starting to look for internships. Didn't really like anything I was coming across. Most of them were unpaid. And someone I was doing a lot of business with told me that they were starting this mall business where it was basically kiosks and malls, and they would sell, you know, limited release sneakers off the side, along with some accessories like uh Cleaning solutions and whatever else. And then the, the main draw to the, the kiosk was a, an arcade game where you could win shoes like Yeezys and Jordans and stuff like that. So um, I, I started working with them literally as the, the sole employee running these kiosks. And immediately we had success. We were doing a couple thousand dollars a day. And I saw that and I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not trying to just be an employee. I want to be partner. So I made an equity investment and I agreed to supply a lot of the shoes and the inventory um, along with, you know, from that location so that they could expand out. Um, so from there, we went to, we started off at a mall in Delaware. Um, we moved on to one in Washington, DC, and ended up going all the way south to Orlando Premium Outlets. So within a year and a half, we had eight locations, um, and I think we did over half a million in revenue in our first year. So it really took off.
0: So you're in college, you're 19, 20 years old, probably a lot more successful than your friends or the people you're hanging out with, for the most part, um, in terms of self-made money. What, you know, this, this episode's about mistakes. So diving into that branch of your life, you're in college, you're probably really happy and they're like damn this is fucking sick i'm yes. making a shit ton of money i
2: was feeling pretty good about myself what
0: what goes wrong or mistakes that were made and you're like oh shit I, something bad happens that was kind of your first taste of failures a little bit aggressive but your first taste of like this isn't just an easy breeze yeah
2: no definitely um it wasn't all good in that situation so i kind of rushed into it we as a company rushed into it um my partners for lack of, to put it nicely, weren't the best partners in the world. Um, but I saw the money and I just jumped at the opportunity. And um, we expanded out too quickly, actually. So it was awesome that we were getting into all these malls. But I was in school and like I said, my partners weren't exactly the most fit to run a business. So once we had eight locations, as far north as uh, Pennsylvania, as far south as Florida, it became a lot harder to manage, especially when you're paying employees eight dollars an hour in high school kids, you know, they don't really actually care about your business. Uh it became really hard to manage. We we lost inventory to thefts and things were just kind of out of our control. And for me, um it was just it was it was pretty stressful. So
0: Okay. So your first mistake you could say bad partners or
2: yeah definitely definitely bad partners. Disorganization
0: um, maybe like a little bit of
2: I would I would say we were disorganized. I think we just, we rushed into it. I, I, I joined up with partners that I shouldn't have and we expanded too quickly. So. Okay.
1: I think that's, um, yeah, really interesting and something that probably nine out of 10, if not every entrepreneur at some point will face, you know, working with the wrong person um, for whatever reason, you're not a match. And then also expanding too quickly. It's always a balance of, you know, how much you focus sort of on the business versus in the business, and like, you know, focusing on growing versus delivering the product or service. But And like, what you learned from definitely relates to both of those.
0: Yeah, and it's such a tough one, too, because with bad partners, I think it's, it's not such a clear line that you can, you know, the answer right away. It's not something that you can look at facts or data and make a decision on. It's something that Almost
2: it's a gut thing. Yeah, and it's it's
0: just a tough sometimes, you know, you just get screwed or yeah, but it's it's a tougher, it's a it's a tough thing to say, like this is how you're supposed to pick your partners. There's no partners,
1: it's partners, it's clients, it's you know, you could have a bad customer who leaves you just shitty reviews for no reason. There's yeah, yeah, you can't avoid it. Um, you just have to do your best to make, yeah, trust your intuition when you're going into these situations.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, customers too, right? Everyone sees an opportunity, especially when you're young, with your first company. You want to jump at every opportunity Say you yes can. Say yes to
0: everyone. Right.
2: Jump at every opportunity you can to make money. And sometimes it's best, you know, it's okay if you miss out on an opportunity. There's the next one. There's a better one. Um, and you might get yourself caught up in something that's not what you want to be involved with. So.
0: So moving from there, you noticed maybe things are getting a little rocky. The company, I would assume, is still doing decent, but you have some red flags with your partners. What happens next on that train there?
2: Yeah, so, you know, things were a little bit rocky. We were still having success in some locations, Um, but I also started to see some of the flaws in the business. I mean, malls aren't exactly, you know, an upward trending industry right now. So I knew that it wasn't going to be a forever thing. Uh, I also knew that the, the arcade game, which was our main source of revenue, was kind of a novelty. You know, it wasn't a endearing to repeat customers. Um, so started looking at going further online, um, and ultimately just kind of trying to get out of the business, um, because it was just a lot of overhead and I was getting ready to move on to a new chapter in my life. Um, so that's kind of what happened. You know, it wasn't the cleanest break, but. Ultimately, I was glad I got out. And once I was online, the stress levels were one-tenth of what they were. You don't have employees, you don't have rent to pay, uh, anything like that. So
0: So that ends. And then I know a little bit about your background. You got more into the e-commerce side of selling shoes. Do you have a mistake from that? Because that was your junior year of college to maybe first year out of college?
2: Yeah, so once I moved online, um, started focusing on developing software for buying and reselling the shoes. Um, and I had zero background. in cooking. I mean, I, I knew almost nothing about it. All I knew was that by us building the software, you know, we can really increase our revenue, not only on buying more buying and selling more shoes, but actually selling the software itself. Um, so hired someone from God knows where in Europe to build us the software. And, you know, we get relatively far into it. And then he just goes ghost one day. And, and then a few months later, a new software pops up and I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, this is pretty similar to what we were doing. And so i kind of reached out, do some digging. It turns out, you know, the dev we had hired took the stuff that we had paid him to build and went elsewhere for a better offer and they had launched the company. Uh, So that was pretty shitty, Uh, but definitely a learning moment because that was something that, you know, we had to look inward at ourselves for. Um, It's easy to blame him. You know, he obviously was, was a dirtbag move to do that, but we didn't give him enough direction. I had this idea in my head of this software, right? And I didn't know how to articulate that, how to give him the right direction. I was just like, here, go build it. And when he felt like he didn't have enough direction or supervision, it kind of left the door open for him to go elsewhere. So that was a tough experience. And for a long time I blamed him, but really, you know, it was was my own doing, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest, if there's going to be a takeaway you get from this episode, I think that might be the biggest one, is being able to not just blame the system or blame that person but be able to reflect on it never make that mistake again and have a process for yourself almost of like an an internal evaluation on why those things happened and how you can I mean because that's that would be like fuck this but being able to actually recover from it and learn I'm sure you probably never never did that again
2: (laughs) sadly I had a similar mistake in the same Venture a few years later. But yeah, I mean, yeah, going off that point, it's to learn from your mistakes is obviously super important. You're not going to do that unless you can admit you made the mistake. And so you blame others and blame love or certain, you know, the industry or whatever. But look at yourself first. Be, you know, don't kill yourself over it. But
1: I think, too, on that point of the first step, yeah, is, is realizing what you did wrong as, like a, as a leader of. An organization or just of a team, the responsibility will always fall on you too. So even if you know jointly, it's not necessarily directly an action that you took. If it's part of your team that makes a mistake or something, it's it's important that the whole team learns. And then as the leader, you know it's on you to correct it and learn yourself. How did I go wrong? How did I steer my
0: team wrong? Right, and I think being the ceo or president or being like you said a leader of a team you can't really blame the, yeah. the person that's working for you for the mistake because ultimately it falls back on you yeah, exactly even if it's you know that developer yeah. screwed you and at the end of the day it falls back on you like i know with valley seller it gets frustrating sometimes if you were saying your employees you know they're they're not going to care as much as you and that's something you should be Aware of your training that goes into it, your, the way you lead them and manage them, it all ultimately falls back onto ways that you are able to control the
1: situation.
2: Yeah, you hired them, you trained them, you, you're responsible for motivating them. So yeah. you, know, you can't only blame them, absolutely.
1: And the way, and I feel like the way you handle it too, Ryan. I don't know what your team looked like at that point, or if it was primarily you, but how you handle A setback like that is going to really define how people view you, respect you, things like that. So it's it's important for a number of reasons, A, for yourself, but also for the whole organization and how you can learn from it and move on.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so we talked about two big mistakes, bad partners, this software, I guess that could kind of fall down to maybe research or
2: just not committing to the project enough.
0: Okay, yeah, not not giving enough.
2: Or fully understanding what you're getting yourself into. Right,
0: okay. Do so you have a third one that sticks out from the, that time period in your life? Of
2: Yeah, definitely, sadly. Um, so I was fortunate enough to invest in cryptocurrency, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, pretty early on um, and watch it go from, you know, a, thousand dollar investment to a six-figure investment while I was in college so that was a really fun ride um but I got greedy uh, as a lot of people did and you know I had kind of made the determination that I if it wasn't going to be a life-changing amount of money I wasn't going to cash out and you know you might say well six figures life-changing amount of money but To me, I looked at it as like one year's salary and what the potential out of of it could have been, you know, so I hung on to it and as it kept going down and down and down, it was like, oh, it'll bounce back, it'll bounce back and, you know, obviously it didn't. So that hurt because that was like, you know, a safety net that I felt I was going to have coming out of college that I ended up not having. Um, But it was definitely a learning experience to, you know, not get greedy, take your profits, um, even in like... With shoes, you know, I'll buy a pair of shoes and sometimes I want to hold them out, hold out on them for the longest amount of time to make the most money. Um, but you know what? Take your profits, move on to the next investment. Don't get greedy. Um, yeah, that's definitely a lesson I learned the hard way.
0: You know, that's it's a tough one because I think I, you don't want to obviously be greedy, but it's a tough one because, you know, if you had held on to it and then it went up to Seven figures, let's just say, for example, you probably have the very a uh, very opposite look on it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I probably could have done a little bit more market research to better understand where it was going, why its price action was doing what it was doing. Um, but you know, at the same time, you're right, and I probably looking back. Would have made the same mistake again.
0: Right. Because
2: I I feel okay about the fact that, you know, if it wasn't a life changing amount of money and I had an opportunity for it to be, I wasn't going to cash out. You know, yeah, I might have missed out on, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever, but that's okay. You know, I still would have made a hundred thousand dollars, which would have been awesome. So again, there's that level of being like, okay, maybe I didn't make as much money as I could have, but I made money. I'm happy with it. I'm content. And I can move on to the next. It's like when you're up at the casino, right? Yeah, you can win more, but be happy that you're up and move on to the next. So,
1: yeah, it's also, it brings up a mistake that um, I've made in the past, which is like a contract isn't ever final until the money's in the bank. You know, like you know, if, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, let's say of crypto sitting and, you know, sitting, I, I would almost feel like that's, I mean, it is your money. You could draw it any second, but until it's, you know, you can't get, I guess, relying on something like I've had um, clients several times verbally say yes, even sign a contract and then back out. So I guess that's just sort of a tangent topic, but something that it's hard when you're so close and you have it and it's almost becomes a safety thing, but then at any point it can always fall through as you've, that you experienced the hard way and I've experienced the hard way as well.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't know how I feel like this relates, but for some reason, this conversation makes me think of quitting while you're behind rather than trying to chase something more and more and more. I guess it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think something that's important to realize and take a step back from the situation is if you are really behind and you're, I guess this is not really relevant to the crypto thing, but sort of, sort of related to the shoe business. If you see it's failing, like it's almost better to quit. And that's not something that's unrespectable or like a bad character trait to get out of something. If you know that there's, if you see it and if you see that you're behind on it.
2: Yeah, no, people have an aversion to taking a loss and sometimes it's better to take the L and move on. And you know, Use that to succeed elsewhere, right? So I could yeah. buy a pair. I could I could buy a pair of shoes for a thousand dollars and think they're you know I think I'm going to make money off them. And then they go down in value, and all of a sudden I'm going to lose two hundred bucks per se, right? I could wait till they go back. I could wait a year till it goes back up to a thousand dollars just to break even, or I could sell and then take the loss and use that eight hundred to make money elsewhere, and maybe end up making fifteen hundred. So it's like. You know, sometimes you have to accept the loss, and like you couldn't have said it better to quit when you're behind. Yeah, and just swallow swallow
1: your pride too.
2: Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
1: Mel Robin keeps saying, like, quitters are winners. That's her thing. So, I mean, that's like very contrary to everything you learned growing up. But at times, yeah, you have to know when things aren't working out. And yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's harder yeah, it'll be better for yourself in the long run, but in the short term, like, all the, you, you might feel that you'll be judged or things like that. You, right. you kind of have to, to make that decision.
0: Sometimes quitting is the best decision you'll make. In-
2: and being able to talk about it, you know, like, I I remember having a hard time telling my parents when I was, like, struggling in business or whatever because I wanted them to see me as successful and, you know, my dad is an entrepreneur and has a ton of Experience. So instead of hiding that from him, I could tell him what's going wrong, and he can give me advice to you know turn it around or be better next time or whatever. You got to be able to talk about your failures. If you can't, then you know you'll never never learn from them.
0: Yeah. So all right. So the the three main mistakes we just discussed: bad partners, not committing to a project enough, and how would you classify?
1: Not being greedy. Knowing when to exit,
2: whether you're ahead or behind, you know? Right. But I
1: think, I think just, yeah, even having this conversation, you know, pinpointing three very, like, clear instances where you're recognizing a mistake you've made. I think it's good every year, every, maybe six months to just genuinely, like, because, yeah, you might, you know, in hindsight, yeah, it's a mistake, but if you don't, truly reflect on it and like we're having a, you know a conversation about it and all of us have in some degree some similar relation to what you're talking about Ryan um, I think people don't necessarily do it enough or I don't know can't it's hard for people to to accept mistakes as a good thing which is what we're talking about you know how what we're now I guess we could transition into sort of the positive light that has come from these three seemingly, Pretty, pretty big, I guess, mistakes.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say exactly what you just said. It's impressive and it's a really good quality and something to hold yourself accountable to is calling yourself out on these mistakes. And so tying that into this episode, did you know, did you classify those events that happened as mistakes when they were happening? And if so, did you make them again? You kind of alluded to that you did. Or were they kind of mistakes that you like never, never made again and you just kind of held them to heart?
2: I think in the moment, I had a hard time admitting to myself that I had made mistakes. Um, but after the fact, I was able to and I kind of used that as motivation. So I guess to kind of continue the timeline, um, I graduated from school and, you know, for my age, I had a ton of success, and I expected that to continue out of school. And the, the God's honest truth was my first year out of school, I made almost no money. So I went from making you know, more money than most people make in general as a college student to being out of school making no money. And that was really hard on me. Um, and I had to get comfortable with the... First, there was two things. I had to learn to love the grind, and I had to be comfortable building towards something but not seeing results. Uh, success, Patience. yeah, success had always come so easy to me up until that my, that point in my life that I didn't truly know how to grind, and I didn't know how to grind without seeing immediate success. So I spent I by the from the first half of twenty eighteen, you know, I was struggling with the whole thing. By the end of it. I had felt really good about the work I had put in that year um, and just learned, like I said, learn to love the grind and and know that if you do the right thing day in and day out, success will come. Maybe not when you want it to come or as soon as you want it to come, but it will come. Um, And fortunately, you know, that's proven true so far. So.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that's a good miss. I think that's a, mistake that people are very vulnerable and prone to also the patient's aspect and not seeing results within the first month. People are very, I think just like your human kind is, is vulnerable to giving up in those situations and not seeing results right away can get really frustrating and, and force people to make that decision to kind of give up or get
1: something more stable. So
2: yeah, definitely.
1: How Ryan did you go from maybe struggling with the fact that you had all of the success, you graduated, weren't necessarily getting, you know, like, obviously your peers are maybe working on Wall Street or, or you know, going to grad school, or whatever, just they're doing lots of different cool things. And, you know, you, you have this thing that you've worked, let's say, like for the past four years on. How did you transition from maybe struggling with it to really accepting it and appreciating the grind? Because I think that's su- super critical, and you know people have to face that. Was like, did you did you do anything specific? Was it just like learning from the mistakes? Or
2: yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that question because it's a lot easier said than done. Um, I. Like I said, it took it took a little over a year um, for me to make that transition. And it really kind of stemmed from belief in myself. Um, you know, I kind of got sick of like being down on myself about not seeing immediate success and just kind of took a step back. And be like, all right, you know, I'm pretty smart and hardworking guy. I know I can make this work. Like, What do I have to do to make this work? And so I. I became, I really put myself outside my comfort zone. And to be corny here, like one of my favorite quotes is be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, I was out in Puerto Rico with like none of my friends, one friend, and trying to make it work, you know, basically living off money I'd saved watching that deplete. And by the end of the year, I had gone through so many different business ideas, whatever, that Finally, I landed on some stuff that I felt really good about, and I felt really good about my work ethic on that. Um, So, you know, it's basically just the experience, those failures, those experiences allowed me to, you know, sift through and finally figure out what the right thing for me was, what my strengths were, what my weaknesses were. And I finally found found patience and, you know, not seeing immediate results and just knowing I had to work hard and, you know, I didn't know. It was just, there was some hope and some belief in myself and that's kind of just where it landed. So,
0: Do you think without that mall kiosk company or that web developer screwing you over, if those things didn't happen, do you think you maybe would have went a traditional route after college?
2: Um, no. <laughs> I just I probably would have just made
0: the mistakes at a different time. At a
2: different time and later date. Yeah, I had to make those mistakes as much as they sucked. I'm glad I made them. Making those mistakes kind of made me realize, you know, it's not so easy and you really gotta work for it. And just talking they they made me network more actually. Because I went from this, like, know-it-all young entrepreneur making a bunch of money to someone who, like, wanted to talk to other entrepreneurs and be like, you know, how are you having so much success? And I think that was really important for me um, and kind of also it made me see, hey, other people made these mistakes too. You know, other people are working this hard um, or the, just, you know, their, their ideas on industry trends and stuff like that. So I think that it made me branch out more. Um, and, and kind of open up my mind. And it, it was also just, you know, a shot to the ego, which I probably needed.
0: Yeah, I was going to add on to that. It's, it's sort of something that in humbling you gives you another perspective on what hustle and hard work really is. Beca- and, and this idea of persistence, because it's one thing to be hustling every day and working your ass off and making money. And it's a completely other thing to be doing the exact same amount of work and see absolutely no results. So experiencing that just really adds a whole nother shell to your ability to persist in tough times, whether you have an extremely successful company and you have some setback or whether you're creating a startup from the ground up, you're, you're able to really apply a lot more experience-based knowledge to any situation you're in. Okay, so you're at the end of this year of feeling like you know your hard work's finally gonna pay off. And what happened then was, were there some kind of concrete or actionable steps that you took to use your past experience and use the previous mistakes you made to then turn that all around. And obviously you're in the stage that you are today. So I know something good went, (laughs) what happens.
2: Yeah. um, So let's see. I guess it was kind of the accumulation of all those days of hard work I put in kind of, I have a thing where good and bad things come in waves. Um, It seems like, you know, when things are going bad, it all comes at once. And when things are going good, it all comes at once. And so I had, towards the end of that, towards the end of 2018, I had started working um, with a renewable energy consultant, helping source development deals for energy projects. And at first it was rough, you know, a lot of hours put in with no, no immediate results. And then this year we, I mean, things just blew, blew up. We brought in a bunch of new projects and, you know, a lot of them were results of work I had put in a year prior. And at the same time, a my e-commerce ventures kind of took off because I had learned from my previous mistakes with developers and I partnered with a developer. And instead of paying him and treating him as just an employee, I gave him equity. So he was into The business just as much as i am and i picked the right guy he works hard and so that's been doing really well as as well uh so i would say yeah kind of just the accumulation of those hard work and learning from mistakes that kind of all this year really turned around and came together which thank god it did (laughs) but yeah
1: cool so yeah i think that was great i think ryan your last point about now yeah you hired you did the developer route a different way you you know worked really hard and were patient with things you had the right team around you you made the you made the success for yourself that was a good that was a good transition of like how those mistakes shaped your current position and role and well you know lifestyle
2: yeah it's funny um i when i was in puerto rico i was living at a co-living house working one day and a prospective uh roommate came in like to check the place out everyone we're talking and he's this 19 year old kid from san diego and he has an instagram marketing business making a bunch of money ten thousand dollars a month something like that he dropped out of school for the whole thing and i just saw me like three years prior. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you know, I'm so happy for you. And, you know, we kind of became friends and I would, I would just try and tell him, like, he was like me, spending a bunch of money on meals, you know, living in the Caribbean, you know, doing the whole thing. And I'm like, dude, you know, it's not gonna last forever. I hate to say it, but it's not gonna last forever. So start planning for your next thing and save your money. And I hope that he took some of that advice uh, because it definitely didn't last forever, but you know, it's just funny. Everyone has to go. It's like a, it's like a right yeah. for young entrepreneurs. Like you have a bunch of success, you spend yeah. too much money and then eventually the gravy train is going to end. So you better be prepared for what's going to come next and use those mistakes to, to learn and be better.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Like, rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, every every successful entrepreneur, I feel like, will tell you that. Seeing a young entrepreneur in their shoes, I feel like that's the same advice all the time. Save your money, you know. I wonder like, I mean, it'd be kind of funny to talk about just like general personal mistakes too. Almost like poke fun at. Um,
0: no, well, personal mistakes because I think. I mean, my goal with this podcast would be that people who don't really see entrepreneurship as their only passion to be listening. And so there's a lot of personal real, personal mistakes.
1: Yeah, I think a mistake that a lot people make in business and in just their lives is prioritizing people's opinions.
0: I was actually going to say that,
1: like having, the
0: you know, being in college and starting a company and there's always going to be people that don't like kind of don't you, you just know they don't actually believe in it or they like make fun of it in a sense. And then being like, Oh, well, I'm just going to like buy the whole bar dinner right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and you
0: know, yeah. Prove them wrong. And it's just like, you don't need to do that. Like, the, amount,
2: the amount of times that I bought like everyone's drinks mm-hmm. at or everyone's meals for no reason whatsoever, other than like, Feel good about myself. It's really just so stupid. Or even like in college, I was ordering meals, two meals a day. I was ordering off food reads mm-hmm. simply because I was too lazy to go to the grocery store and and make my meals. Like ah, I don't I don't need to do that. I'll just order it, whatever. And I look back, I probably spent like five ten thousand dollars in food in college. I'm like, you didn't have to do that shit. It's like
0: yeah, living expense. Yeah, just. The money thing, it really is important to save money and being a little more cautious of that is something I wish I did. I can't pinpoint a specific time I spent a fuck ton, but.
2: Well, I kind of, I saw it regularly in the mall business, the amount of people who would come in there with like $250 cash in their pocket and you know that that's like all their expendable money that they have and they'd spend it on a pair of Jordans. You're like, you would almost feel bad in selling to them, you know? I mean, it's, a lot of people do that. They'll make that mistake where they want to flex or whatever it is. And it's like, in the end, it's not worth it. You know, you look at, this is kind of cliche, but you know, you look at Zuckerberg and he's wearing a plain white tee and khaki shorts and the guy's got billions of dollars, like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes down to not caring what people think Yeah, in a sense, but then also, this has been a repetitive theme that we end up talking about in a lot of the episodes, even though they don't have very similar topics. Is like prior va- knowing what you value, and if you do value wearing all brand names, there's not nothing wrong with it. Wow. But just keep in mind that you're not going to have the money for other things. Yeah. And so if you know your own values, I mean, I personally wouldn't have that value, but I don't think there's something wrong with having that value if you can afford it
2: or more applicable to college, right? I kind of often struggled with, you know, do I value my college experience versus my making money? And there was points in college where I was totally neglecting my social experience just to make money. And then there was times where I was, you know, doing the, the opposite. And so it's finding that balance, you know, and, you know, it's okay if, you know, for your last semester of school, you've, put business off and you spend a bunch of money and you prioritize having fun, you know, and it's also okay if at some point in college, you know, you miss a few frat parties and you do what's right for your future or whatever. So,
0: yeah. So I think sense of mistakes, it comes down to what you want for yourself. And if you notice that you really want to be working on your business and you've been going out too much to just be aware of that and, You can, you know, say that was my my mistake. I got caught up in it, and now I need to learn from that and take the pressures of this environment that I'm
2: in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, with with the sneaker thing that I do, a lot of the releases for the shoes are on Saturday morning, like starting at seven a.m. up through like eleven a.m. And when you're in college, that's tough because you know you're going out on Friday night and you want to sleep in Saturday. So I got into this habit of going out with my friends Friday. I I wanted to do it all. So I'd go out with my friends Friday night, drink pretty heavily, and then come home. And instead of going to bed, I'd hop on my computer and like start setting up for the release and like, you know, get ready to do that whole thing. And on multiple occasions, I would wake up on the couch with my computer on me and be like, holy shit, I fell asleep halfway through setting up the release. I missed the whole thing and like missed out on a few thousand dollars. And so- you know that was definitely some mistakes. I made. but there was times where I was like, you know, I'm okay with it. You know, I had a really good night with my friends. Like these are the nights you cherish, whatever. And then there was other times I'm like, you stupid idiot! Like, you couldn't have had like a few less drinks and actually, you know, don't know what you're supposed to do. So, you know, it all it all balanced out in the end. But
1: yeah, I'm kind of glad that I got some of yeah yeah I'm like really glad I got some of my mistakes out of the way. Not that I'm going to make millions of more mistakes, but some of the just sheer dumb mistakes that I made. Kevin,
0: our brother, actually said on the beach last week, sometimes it's good when you're at a younger age to make those mistakes. And it falls into this whole episode on business mistakes, but on a more personal level, because like he said, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of him. He said, (laughs) like getting it out of your system at a young age really sets you up to, you know, not... You, you just get to experience that. And so you don't even have to, I mean, they're mistakes at the time, but when you look back on it, you know, getting too drunk with your friends, it's, it's not like, not
2: that big of a deal.
0: Okay. You just, it's just, yeah, yeah. I think it actually sets you up to be more successful in the future and really be able to straighten out your priorities because you know, you can go out and do that, but you know, kind of it all, it's all the same. At yeah, the end it's of the like, day. And you so, know, when
2: you first start drinking, Every time you do, it's a shit show, right? Like someone's throwing up, someone's crying, whatever it is, and then eventually, or maybe not. And then you yourself, turn into classy or,
0: podcast hosts yeah, The right. only drink to have a conversation. Yeah,
2: exactly. But yeah, you know, eventually you figure it out. You're like, all right, this is my limit, but you got to make those mistakes.
0: I wish I wish one of us had a real estate mistake. But I don't think
2: we do it yet. You might. <laughs> You don't know yet. <laughs> I don't
0: think we know yet, yeah. but it could be in the
2: making. I, well, I almost made, well, I you know, I was so close to closing on a property at the end of last year for it to be Airbnb property. And with COVID, I'd be bleeding money right now. So thank mm-hmm. God it didn't work. You know, I was almost blessed that I didn't, it didn't happen, but it was, yeah. I was really close.
1: We put an offer in on a. Our, the first house we put an offer in wouldn't have been like a drastic mistake, but we got outbid, and I don't know it it was a questionable we got super excited after seeing it, but we we were thinking about it selfishly of like, oh, we would love to live here, but we weren't thinking about it in the long term, so anyways, we put in an offer that could have been a pretty in some like perspectives a mistake, yeah Maybe,
2: yeah. Well, yeah. the lease thing is interesting, too. Like, we've made the same mistake. You know, we had a good month in a mall, and we immediately signed a one-year deal because we're like, all right, we you know, we want to lock down this mall without ever having seen like a full year because, you know, it's super seasonal. So, you know, we might have had a good month, and then three months later, we're losing money. And we're like, holy shit. Like, we're stuck in it. We're sure. stuck, right. So, you know, that, that stuff with some real estate mistakes that. Uh, I've made, mean, I mean, it's a lease, fortunately, not a purchase, but
0: mm-hmm. we yeah, we made a mistake on a on a more personal level too with leasing an apartment where we paid for three months up front before even seeing the place. Oh my you know, God. basing it just off of pictures. Yeah, knowing what you're getting into. And and that's something I'll learn from. You know, I'm not gonna put down three months of a six month lease on a rental place before at least seeing it and having some trust in the landlord, I think.
1: Yeah, I think, too, this is unrelated to real estate now, but, like, when you are young, you feel like you're invincible. It's funny I'm saying when you're young, when I'm 21 and we're we're all young, but um, there's definitely an aspect of that. I joke all the time as one of the most, again, I don't want to say it's a defining moment in our business, but we signed a 10-year lease. Um, I was 19 years old, signed a 10-year lease. I mean, what was going through our minds to have even, I don't know what I'll be doing tomorrow. I don't know what I'll be doing in six months. Um, we were ex- extremely ambitious, which is a good thing, but just a little bit naive, to say the least, in, in doing that. So that was an interesting, very, very valuable learning experience that I'm very glad to have had, but I'd laugh at myself to to. Think about a 10-year commitment at at that stage. Yeah, a lot of
0: people can't even commit to a fucking girlfriend for one month. (laughs) (laughs) Let alone spend paying a lease or mortgage every month.
1: Something also to add is it's easy to look back at your mistakes and say, what if I didn't do that? I can think of five examples right now of actions I took that totally change the course of our business. And I sometimes I'll think like, what if I didn't do that? And what if I did this? When you, like for me, I kind of get, I sometimes I do get stuck in the what if
0: mm-hmm. mindset.
1: Yeah. Like, what if I didn't do this? I would be, you know, in this path and I would be making millions of dollars. You know, like I just go through these hypothetical situations. He has too.
2: <laughs> it's so easy to do that. Um, and that's one of my main... Points of like takeaways of how to learn from your mistakes is that you know when you make a mistake you want to learn from it and move forward with it like kind of always keep it with you but don't let it define you and don't let it eat you up you know like for example with the crypto thing right if that if that mistake made me so conservative as an investor or entrepreneur for the rest of my life, then yeah, maybe I learned from it, but it wasn't actually a positive outcome. So don't let it define you, you know, learn from, learn from it, keep it with you in the back of your mind somewhere, but don't let it eat you up. I mean, everyone's going to make a mistake, move on to the next thing. And next time you'll know better. It's just, it's just part of it. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. The what ifs. I don't think they're all 100% bad. It's okay to think about potential course of actions and ways that things could have turned out, but use them to a way that motivates you and, and betters your decision-making process to then get you there rather than exactly what you're saying, letting it eat you up and being, you know, screw this, I messed up already, it's over and I can't recover. Using it as a source of motivation and a goal and being more driven with with whatever decisions you're making are at the time. For kind of developing this topic into something that our listeners can take away, do either of you have examples of actionable or concrete things you can do to reflect on your mistakes? Or you know after you make the mistakes, how you can really get the most out of get the most out of your losses
2: yeah i guess i have three um so the first step is to be able to admit that you made the mistake right and admit your faults in the failure um even if it wasn't entirely your fault you know you played a role and then think about the process not just the results you know it's easy to look at something and be like oh it failed and and you know look at the thing that caused it to fail but look at the process you know did you really work as hard as you could have the whole time were you diligent were you organized um and the process matters more than the results a lot of times um, and then yeah my third thing which i kind of already touched upon was you know don't let it eat you up keep keep it in your back pocket and use it as motivation um, learn from it so next time that you, you know you don't make the same mistake but don't don't let it define you because you know, it's just a mistake, everyone makes them, and you'll you'll be better for it next time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that number two is the one that stands out to me the most. I mean, number one, of course, is really important, but step one, admitting failure, isn't gonna necessarily avoid the next failure or the next mistake. But what actually can avoid the next mistake is pinpointing what went wrong, why it went why it went wrong, and then revising that plan into something that
1: you can actually change. Definitely. And I think part of pinpointing the what went wrong, um, sort of on the flip side too, it's figuring that out. and then as you're adjusting, you know, definitely learn from it. But yeah, like like Ryan said, not to be too hard on yourself and on the flip side, It's important that you celebrate the wins that you do have. Of course, learn from the failures, um, but just as well, celebrate the successes, reward yourself too when you're working hard. And also, I think something that will help you just in general is when you're passionate about what you're doing, if you don't have that, it's really easy to get discouraged when you do have obstacles or setbacks or make mistakes. So of course, just like, as everyone says, if you can if you're doing something you truly believe in, I think it's easier to overcome your mistakes as well.
0: Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. I think one one little addition that, that can be added is trying to find the balance of not being too hard on yourself, but also being a little bit hard on yourself and being able to accept what happened and then be proactive as well for the next time and I think being hard on yourself is something that can fuel that so you so badly don't want that to happen again Mm -hmm. and then changing your course of future action is you know that's really the only thing that you can control and so the things you can't control leaving them alone but the things you can being proactive about them is also an important thing to add onto that you know don't beat yourself up but also beat yourself up a little bit, maybe, finding that balance that's gonna to continue to push you, but not force you to you know, give up or feel discouraged. Thank you, Ryan, for being a part of this episode.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hope you got a nice kick out of all the mistakes I've made so far, so.
0: Thanks
1: for
2: being
0: a trooper.
2: Yeah, <laughs> hope you learned a thing or two as well.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, awesome to dive into some of your experiences and really appreciate you sharing all of that. Hope you guys enjoyed our fifth episode. I'm yeah. surprised White Claw hasn't offered to sponsor us yet. I mean, no, they're really slacking. They're missing
2: out. I think this will be the episode that puts we you guys on the top. We would be a
0: really amazing White Claw sponsor. Ryan was
1: the catalyst.